Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Play ball! It's 30 with Murdy with your host, Sweeney Murdy. Welcome back, everybody. A new episode of me and Eddie C., Ed Coleman with me, Sweeney Murdy here. We're talking Yankees-Mets for the first time in 2021. And after several weeks of inactivity, it looks like things are finally kicking in. The Mets made a lot of big news, Ed, but I guess the most recent one we'll start with is uh, a little bit of a surprise, but I guess not really. The Yankees signed Corey Kluber to a one-year deal. He's won a couple of Cy Young Awards, but it's been three years now since his best full season. I think there's a little uncertainty there, but universally, this seems to be a move that everybody kind of likes. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I thought that the that the Mets, and I know the Mets were in on it, uh, you know, they they went down, they watched him as well. A lot of teams did, and uh, but the Mets were serious about their interest in Kluber, and I understand why, too. You know, I... Listen, I, I don't think you can count on anybody, as you said, Swinney. He's three years removed from his best season, and a great season it was. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he's to me the type of pitcher who can readapt himself. Uh, you know, he never was a blazing fastball guy. Uh, he always was more of a pitcher to me. And when he was at his best, it was a work of art, piece of art to to watch him pitch. I mean, he was he was terrific. Now. Can that you know still be translated into you know being a, a starter who can go out there every five days? Well, we'll see. That, that's obviously the big key, and I don't think the Yankees can count on that. But I, I think it's a big plus. You know, they they need rotation help uh, because there's still a lot of uncertainty there. It may work out okay for them, um, you know, even without Kluber. But they don't know that, and I think Kluber's great insurance for them right now. It's a great point about who he is and the kind of pitcher he is, not relying on overwhelming velocity and trying to get that back. I, I think I probably would have been more excited about it a year ago, let's say. I mean, he signed a deal yeah. with the Rangers a year ago. You're adding him on the heels of Garrett Cole, let's say, and you've got Cole and Kluber atop the rotation. Uh, but now, you know, a year ago we were talking about him recovering from a freak injury, being hit on the pitching arm by a line drive. Uh, now we're talking about a little bit of a shoulder issue that, that derailed what was of his 2020 and coming back from that as well. 
listen, I'm all in on his resume. Uh, I, you know, there's only a hand, you know, a handful of guys that fit this that are like, you know, the two time Cy Young award winners who are still at age 34 going 35, still kind of in their, uh, you know, towards the back of their prime. But I've seen so many of these guys Ed, and you have too over with the Mets where you're, you're kind of bringing guys in off of their resume. They're a couple of years removed from it and you're hoping to rekindle it. Mm-hmm. And for a team that has the championship aspirations the Yankees have, looking for a solid number two, I just would have liked a little more certainty in that number two spot, if indeed this is you know as high as they're going with a number two. If they're, We'll talk about more later. But um, I, I'm a little leery of banking on a guy who is a couple of years removed, as great as those years were. Yeah, I I agree. I think that you know when you when you look at Kluber, I mean, to me, if he can get through this season, I guarantee you there will be some pause in there. There's going to be a time when he goes on the disabled list. Uh, you know, either there's some tendonitis in the shoulder, something that that crops up. Uh, I doubt you're going to see a guy who gives you you know 28 to 32 starts. All right, um, can you get 20 to 25 out of him? I. I that's what you hope for, I think. And I, I think if you do get that, then then I think most of them will be pretty good. I, I do think that he's, you know, he's back a, another step where, you know, I think you can count on him if he can remain healthy. Uh, as far as the number two, that's kind of difficult. Um, they have a lot of questions in the rotation. You know, Jordan Montgomery, uh, obviously, I guess will be in there. Uh, does this mean possibly that you have to count on a Domingo Herman a little bit more than yeah. maybe you would like to? Uh, that's possible too. I mean, they're, you know, the kids are in there too that you have to consider. I guess Garcia and and Schmidt, uh, and you know, there are. It's an unsettled rotation as you yeah. head into spring training, to say the least. I think about it was probably about a month ago where you and I are kicking around the viability of Masahiro Tanaka for both New York teams. He's a yeah. he's a good fit for both the Yankees and the Mets. A month later now, and we're you know roughly four weeks away from spring training, um, he almost doesn't seem to fit either team at this point. At least not at a higher salary number, it would seem. Uh, the Mets got a real good number two in Carlos Carrasco, who came over in the Lindor trade. He fits yep. in nicely behind DeGrom. Uh, and with the salary that the Yankees have uh, put towards Kluber, it appears Tanaka's, you know, I, I, he's not as much of a priority anymore. I wonder if he fits in the salary structure of either team at this point. Yeah, I listen. Uh, the Mets could use Tanaka. I, a lot of teams could use Tanaka. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I think the Yankees uh, obviously would be front and center with that. But where they are with the monetary situation at this point, uh, I don't know. Uh, and I'm not sure. You know, Tanaka is would be that happy and. Uh, signing a contract that he's not happy with after what he's done for the Yanks thus far. So uh, it's a difficult situation. The Mets, you know, the Mets sit there with DeGrom and Carrasco, now a solid number two, and they also have Stroman too. Stroman will tell you he's 1A, but he's probably uh, three uh, yeah. at this point. And then you kind of fill, you know, the rotation out, uh, you know, from there. They they may sign another veteran pitcher. I think that's a possibility. Uh 
you know, before you get to, uh, to spring training, but they also have Steven Matson there as well. So, um, you know, they, they have some choices. I think their rotation, you know, it's not set, but at the same time, it looks a lot better than, than what it did before, but getting Carrasco and the Lindor deal, uh, obviously was, was huge for them and getting Lindor, by the way, was pretty huge too. For that it's the biggest move that a New York team has made. And, uh, you know, it's not one of the big free agent signings. Now, it might end up being because you're talking about a $300 million plus player if you're going to keep him. So maybe that part of the transaction comes later. But the idea of spending Steve Cohen's money hasn't played out the way that we initially thought, at least to this point of the free agent uh, period, because there are still some names out there. But Francisco Lindor, uh, it's hard to make a bigger splash than getting that player at this point. Yeah, settled in arbitration for I think a little over twenty-two million. So it will tell you what it's going to take to sign this guy. I think he wants to be in New York, uh, and I think they will get a deal done. Now, whether it gets done, you know, before the season, I'm not quite sure. He says he doesn't want to talk about it during the season. I understand that, but at the same time, I've also seen situations where you know, when a lot of money comes your way, say in July or thereabouts, after some talk with an agent, that yeah. you know, you can twist a hand and yeah, okay, I'll, I'll think about it and, uh, and maybe sign it. But I, I, I think the, the sense that I get is that Lindor, this is, he, he loves the move himself. I think, uh, I think he's going to love New York. I think New York will love him and I think things will work out, but it's going to be expensive. I think the quandary the Mets find themselves in, if you want to call it, that is the George Springer situation but Michael Conforto entered into it as well. Conforto settled for, I think, a little over $12 million, uh, or so in arbitration. I believe that uh, that was his number. Yeah, 12 to 12.25 in arbitration. He's a Boris client. He's going he's gonna, to... Yeah, He'll go to free agency. He wants, I, yeah, it, 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 he, he's going to want a long-term deal, and he's going to want a lot of money. I, let's put it that way. And he deserves it, too. He had a great season last year, and I think he's just starting to come into his own. We've talked about Conforto and the sweet swing. We were talking about that with Rico Brony yeah. when we had one uh, on our show. You know, he's, he's, he's got a great swing. Um, he's a solid player. He's a solid defensive player as well, too. Um, if you sign him and you sign Lindor, are you going to have room for a Springer contract that's obviously you know going to be a lot of money? I, I think the... I, I guess the telling point to me will be Springer coming down a little bit. If he really does want to play in New York, and that's my sense as well, I think he does want to be a Met. I think he wants to be close to his Connecticut home. Uh, I think he wants to be here. But um, you know, can they can they come together and do the Mets want to go down that road of another long term contracts? Uh, where they're already going to have a couple of big ones. And I would imagine there's probably a Jacob deGrom renegotiation somewhere <laughs> down the road as well, too. Yeah, I, I think Conforto is very interesting because if you commit dollars to Springer now, then it obviously, as you said, impacts what you may have available or what you might have to pay to Conforto a year from now. But if you forego Springer with the idea that you have those dollars for Conforto, you have no guarantee that you're signing Conforto because yeah. I, I, he's not going to be the type of player who signs an extension. Scott Boris usually doesn't get players this close to free agency and then forego free agency. You, you get to the open market and then sign your best deal. So if you somehow miss on Springer now and pivot in a different direction with an outfielder, you're really rolling the dice and hoping that, I won't say use the term hometown discount because I don't think that really applies, but you're hoping that a little familiarity, I guess, plays in the hands of Conforto and keeping yep. him here is part of the long-term solution. 
you know, one thing I didn't realize about Springer that uh, as I'm looking up about him, that he had never played in a, in a full season, had never played more than I think it was 84 or 85 games in center field. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's played in some corner spots as well. I, listen, he's a terrific center fielder. He's certainly better than, than anyone the Mets have on their roster at playing center field, but he's also getting older too. And if you sign a five or six year deal uh, with, with a Springer, um, you know, what's he going to be like at the age of, you know, 35, 36 at that point? Uh, can he still patrol out there? It's a good question. And he, again, you know, you're looking at probably a half a season uh, in center field for him with some, you know, corner work as well. So that's another thing I think you have to consider when you're, when you're investigating putting long-term bucks into him. Yeah. And when you think about, you know, he's a, he's a pretty big body, you know, guy's going to be, he's 31 now, um, Mm -hmm. but a pretty big body to be, you know, banging around a a very big center field at city field too. So the long-term prospects of, as you said, playing 120, 130 games at that position, um, it, it might not fit very well. We had heard that there were some possibilities of Brad Hand for the Mets, um, still looking for relief help. That hasn't played out. At the time you and I are talking, that hasn't played out, and Hand is still a free agent. Uh, but relief help, still uh, still a bit of a priority, even with the additions that they've already made. Yeah, they're going to. I think they're going to beef up the bullpen a little bit. Brad Hand would be a great get for them, uh, you know. And and again, it, timing wise, didn't work out. I think the Steve Cohen purchase went through shortly after uh, Brad Hand had been let go at that point in time. If it had happened in reverse, you know, Hand might already Could've claimed him. Yeah, yeah, uh, could have claimed him and, and taken him at that point. I think they, you know, the Mets probably likely would have. Um, you know, he's, there are a couple of other teams obviously still interested in him and they should be. Listen, he had a terrific season last year. What do you have a, a whip under one, I think, and a two ERA and 16 saves in a, in a 60 game season. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I think he's progressed and has become a much better pitcher over time. I can remember him with, you know, back at the Marlins or whatever. And uh, always saying, you know, that they used to use him. Uh, in almost every situation, and it never seemed to quite work out. But obviously, in Cleveland, things turned around a little bit for him. So uh, he'd be a great get for him. I, I think they're still in on him at this point. Uh, and if they can nail him down, that that might put an end to things uh, as far as what they do. I just would love I, – I, I don't know that Howie and Gary would ever get tired of saying, Aloha, Mr. Hand. <laughs> <laughs> every time he entered the ball game, I think I just every night I think that would just be something yeah. to look forward to. Exactly, exactly. So the uh, the things we were looking at this morning, uh, last night and this morning, Luis Castillo is a guy who you knew that the Reds would explore trading, um, mm-hmm. and they have, and other teams have inquired because why wouldn't they, right? Um, there was uh, a report from. Uh, a Latin American reported last night indicating that the Reds were about to trade uh, Castillo to the Reds, uh, to the Yankees rather, and that's been shot down. John Heyman reporting this morning that Glaber Torres was part of the ask from the Reds in a talks for Luis Castillo. You know it would take a lot. Uh, he's exactly the kind of guy that I think Brian Cashman tends to go after. Guys who, who obviously have performed, have some upside still, uh, cost control, a couple of years of control. We've seen him trade for pitchers like this before. When you think about James Paxton or Michael Pineda, uh, it doesn't appear at this time that that's going to happen. But that's about the only way. Like cost control guy like that, 
is about the only way to fit more starting pitching into this rotation without subtracting salary, maybe um, Adam Adovino. But you've seen Castillo a little bit more than I have. Um, He is exactly the type of guy that any team would want to have in their rotation. Terrific pitcher. He'd be a great get for the Yankees. I don't think that that's a fit. There's no question. I mean, I think he'd fit seamlessly in there. Uh, A tough kid, but a smart kid as well, too. And, you know, he's been through adversity and it's not just because he's in Cincinnati. You know, he's he's actually pitched pretty well at times and and suffered, you know, either from a lack of offense. uh, And he's also gone through some tough times with giving up a lot of home runs. uh, But, you know, he's pitched through that. Uh, You know, to me, I, I he's got a wealth of talent. He's still very young. I don't think he's hit his peak at this point. So that's, that's a guy that, uh, you know, if the Yankees could get, it'd be great. Uh, listen, I think he'd work in seamlessly with him uh, and he'd fit in that rotation. He'd be, you know, right behind Garrett Cole. As a matter of fact, then you can push Kluber down and push some of the others down as well too. But uh, you know, I'm kind of with you. I don't know whether that's going to, come to fruition or not but uh i think you're right i mean you think that's exactly the kind of guy that you could use in this rotation yeah and it doesn't appear that that's happening now meanwhile something i said earlier i guess i i guess i did inadvertently knock marcus stroman down a couple of pegs but carlos carrasco is a legit number two type of guy uh we've yeah. seen him put up some really good postseason games he's uh you know he's seen a pitch for for the indians for a few years uh, and he's already seems to be embracing the idea of pitching in New York and pitching for the Mets. We uh, we had Zoom calls with both uh, Lindor and Carrasco, and uh, you couldn't talk to two nicer guys and two happier guys to be in New York as well, too. Both of them, listen, they they spoke effusively about Cleveland and, and leaving Cleveland. They hated to, you know, they, they became close to the Indian fans. And I think one of the, the Indians people said, well, you know, we just traded our two um, – favorite players, you know, basically, you know, and our two most popular players. And I can understand why, because they both have engaging personalities. Uh, Carrasco, they call Cookie and Mr. Smile uh, with Lindor. And that that's pretty much all they did through the Zoom calls entirely. Uh, so, you know, getting those two aboard, I think they're going to play tremendous in, in New York. And, you know, you look at, uh, you know, just Carrasco uh, per se, uh, you know, his, his best year was pro- I think probably 2017, uh, mm-hmm. the same year as uh, uh, that, that Kluber had, but uh, you know, he's been through and battled leukemia, came back from that. He pitched very well last year. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the world's right there for him. I mean, he can, uh, he can take off with a Mets team that can obviously score him some runs and, uh and uh, I think he'll get deep into games, and I think we know what Lindor can do as well, too. So, you know, both guys uh, coming aboard, that's that's a plus-plus, big plus-plus for the Mets. We, we talk a lot about character guys when you talk about, you know, not just sports, but also in New York. I mean, Carlos Carrasco has won the Roberto Clemente Award, comeback mm-hmm. player of the year, what you're talking about. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of heart in that guy, and I think uh, Mets fans are going to enjoy seeing him pitch. Stays healthy this year. I think it's a, I think it's a good fit there. Meanwhile, I keep remembering this, uh, one of the fun stories about Francisco Lindor. Uh, this is probably from about three or four years ago. Uh, Brody Chernoff, who is the son of general manager Mike Chernoff and the grandson of our boss, Mark Chernoff, was in the radio booth with Tom Hamilton during a spring training game and just talking, you know, I forget how old he was at the time, maybe five, six years old. And, uh, he was, you know, Tom Hamilton's trying to interview a child during game, right? So you never know what kind of answers you're going to get. And uh, uh, Hamilton says something like, hey, what's, uh, so what's your dad working on now? 
and Brody spits out, he's trying to sign Lindor to a seven-year deal, I think. <laughs> Just let the cat out of the bag right there. And Tom Hamilton lost it on the air and said, okay, I think we better just move along here before we get someone in trouble. So that deal never happened. And that is in large part why he is today a New York Met. And that, that clip is online somewhere. It's still one of my favorite stories. Well, that seven-year deal is probably in the works in a different place right now. At, uh, at I, least I, seven. I, I, would, <laughs> I, would, I would think so. Anyway, at this point, that—that's the other thing about you know Lindor. Just as an aside, uh, probably the best contract that the Mets have signed long-term. Listen, they had Piazza. I mm -hmm. understand that, uh, and there have been you know terrific guys that they have gotten over the years. But uh, you know, in recent vintage, the Carlos Beltran deal, you know, probably worked out best for them. It was a mm -hmm. seven-year deal when he signed when he was 28 years old. And that's where Lindor is. He's 27, right. I believe. Uh, and that's when you want to, if you're going to sign somebody to that kind of deal, that's when you want to, from the 27 to 35 or 28 to 36 years, that's, that's what you're, you're looking for at that point. And, and you've got him, you know, during his prime with Beltron. I always felt that you probably got four and a half, maybe five years out of the seven that were top, top years forward. Uh, and you're probably, you know, not going to get the, the full, benefit of the contract, but at the same time, you get the most out of a guy when he's in his prime, and that's exactly what you want to do. And if you sign Lindor, you've, I mean, I think he's already, without having to play the game here, I think he's the face of the team, because I think there is an expectation that he is going to sign here and be part of this long-term, as you said, for a good six, seven-year run of prime-time player. Uh, with all due respect to Jacob deGrom, uh, and it's a little bit different than, say, David Wright because he's not a homegrown player, but yeah. you're talking about an absolute star in the game, and this is a guy that you're going to just expect to be here. I think he's already the face of this team. Yeah, yeah well, it, it always helps to have a a player who plays every day. And that, like you said, it's no, it, it's no knock against Jake, but a pitcher is out there every five days. You know, Jake right now and has been since, you know, David retired, he's been the face of the franchise and, and he's still the star and will be the star. And, you know, he's a great pitcher. But uh, when you're a regular everyday player and you're out there every day, that's, you know, you become the face of the franchise and he obviously will. I love the Mr. Smile because um, I think the Yankees have a guy, if he didn't already have a great nickname in the machine, you might call him Mr. Meh. Because DJ LeMahieu doesn't really show you anything facially, <laughs> uh, no expression. Uh, he is just, uh, well, as Gary Sanchez put it, he's the machine. And the Yankees got him back on a really really friendly deal, team-friendly deal, because at at 90 million over six years, as opposed to four for 100, which he probably could have commanded easily in a normal year, or as I've been saying, probably, I've been saying 5-125 would have been a really good and decent mm -hmm. ask and get on his part sure. in a normal market. We were not in a normal market. He got 90 million, which is around Josh Donaldson money. He gets it at age 32. I was told the number is more important than the years for him. So the fact that he stretched it out and benefited the Yankees, it helped both sides. I don't, we say this all the time, Eddie, when we see guys and say, well, this player is going to age well because we can, but you never foresee things that happen. Nobody mm. really ages that well. They all, you know, take turns at certain points. It's just a matter of when. So I don't know that I can say the Yankees are getting six great years out of DJ LeMayhew, but they're built for 2021 right now with Garrett Cole and LeMayhew in his, in his 
Peak and Aaron Judge still a couple of years before free agency and Glaber Torres still a couple of years before free agency. So just getting him signed was important and they did that. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I, I hope I love his game. So I hope he stays healthy uh, for the entire six years and, and uh, you know, makes the Yankees smile for, uh, for the next six years as well, too. Like I said, I love his game. Um, uh, he's a hitting machine, uh, but you know, to your point about staying healthy, uh, you know, Daniel Murphy uh, was a guy who you know, was a Met, went on obviously, ended up in Colorado after being with the Cubs and that. And, and Murph, uh, you know, has to me has always been a hitting machine, but um, you know, the last couple of years have been tough, and why? Because of injuries. You know, his knee really, you know, kind of gave out. Now, uh, you know, I, I think Lemayhu is built a little bit differently than Murph, but at the same time, you never know about that. You say, well, this guy's a natural born hitter; he'll hit forever, and. I guess that's true if you're healthy. That's right. the thing. And and Murph could not stay healthy. And, uh, you know, to me, I, I think he's he's thinking about retirement. I think he will. Nobody has scooped him up, obviously. Uh, but uh, if LeMahieu does stay healthy, uh, that's that's a great get on a team-friendly contract, as you mentioned, for the Yankees. And, and I hope he does. He's, he's, he's fun for baseball. He's good for baseball. I think baseball needs more guys that, you know, can use the whole field and just spray hits all over the place as opposed to – um, you know, Pull lifting balls runs. out of yeah, lifting balls out of the ballpark and and striking out like you know a lot of guys tend to be at this point in time. But Lemayu he's fun to watch, no question. As you and I speak, it's January eighteenth. About a month from now, we should be grumbling about the monotony of the workouts that pitchers and catchers are going through, <laughs> waiting for some spring training games. And at this point, I think that is still the plan. But I think we're still a bit away from making that a reality. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that it's going to get off the ground on the day that they say it's going to. If it does, I think it's going to look a lot like it did last summer. Um, I think we're still a pretty good bit away from anything that looks like it, like we're used to it looking like. Yeah. You know, to me, Sweeney, there are a lot of ominous signs going on right now. Um, you know, and I understand baseball. Baseball has has gotten some pressure because we just watched the NFL games uh, this weekend, uh, the four games which have gotten you down to the NFC and AFC title games, and the NFL is going to make it uh, through the Super Bowl, which, I listen, I give them a lot of credit for. Now, yeah. have they had some problems? Yeah, they have, but not overwhelming. But in the NBA right now, which just kind of started to pick things up there, you know, 10, 12 games or so uh, into the season, uh, there have been a lot of cancellations. I mean, over the weekend, there were many cancellation, uh, cancellations of games. The NHL just got underway. They've already had a couple of cancellations. They just started, you know, this prior week. So, you know, is that going to continue? If it does, that to me, that's obviously going to have an effect on, on baseball and when you start and how you start. Um you know, I I get it. The players want to play 162. Um, can you can you push it back a month and still do that? I guess maybe you can. Uh, but you know, we also ran up against the the problem last year where you know the owners they wanted that postseason in October. They wanted right. to get it in there and make sure before the next wave came. So there are a lot of things to weigh at this point in time. Uh, and I, I I get where both sides are at this point, but it's it's going to take a little. Uh, 
a little conciliatory nature here, I think, to get this thing done. And that's never been a hallmark of, uh, <laughs> of this sport or either side, especially with a new CBA on the horizon at the end of the season. But, uh, you know, that, that may be called for and they may be called upon for that. Yeah, that's the hard part is that these guys do have to negotiate everything that's that they're going to get to. And we saw how hard that was last summer. Um, and, you know, there's I guess they they had time last year. That was the thing. They had time and it still took all of the time. And it's still you know, they were probably never going to start any earlier than what they did. Um, just be given where we were, um, you know, really countrywide nationwide with everything that was happening, we were probably never going to start any earlier than late July. But the fact that the negotiations just dragged, um, that was really the thing that I think hurt a lot of people and um, turned them off. And I think we're headed to that a little bit again because, you know, we're not going to start a month from now without a lot of negotiating. And you really haven't heard a lot of that rhetoric yet. And it's it's going to start sometime soon, you would think, after we get past this holiday weekend and know that we're only a couple of weeks away from players wanting to report to their spring training facilities. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, most guys, you know, spring training is going to start in the middle of February or so. But most guys get there early these yeah. days. All right. And on top of that, getting the equipment, getting everything set, that's a couple of weeks prior to that. So you're not that far away from things kind of kicking into gear to get everything ready for spring training. This isn't just the middle of February. Oh, let's everybody show up and all at once here. Uh, this, this kind of is a process over the next you know couple of weeks, two, three weeks. So uh, yeah, some decisions I think are going to have to be made and probably fairly soon as to, as to exactly how this is all going to come about. I got one last important question for you. Which camp do yeah. you fall in? Are you rooting for Tom Brady or are you rooting <laughs> against Tom Brady? I, I can never root against Tom Brady. <laughs> I, I, it was, it's tough watching him in another uniform and, uh, and he's, a different quarterback and it's a different team for that matter too but uh you know listen he was uh he was pretty good yesterday and better than drew Brees for that matter but uh, yeah no i i root uh i root for tom uh i did see there was a uh a little i think uh, on instagram i believe this morning i don't know if you saw it uh he and Brees meeting after the game on the field mm -hmm. and brady actually turned around and one point through a touchdown pass to one of Breeze's kids in the, uh, <laughs> in the end zone and they kind of hugged and went their way one goes to the nfc title game the other goes to retirement and i don't think we feel sorry for either one but uh, uh it, it was fun uh, watching him yesterday and uh yeah i mean uh, tom brady aaron Rodgers. that's uh, that's that's pretty good viewing i think next weekend that, that'll be that'll be a lot of fun i gotta tell you i found myself during the course of the game the other game yesterday rooting for the browns you know they're behind yep. and i'm wanting them yep. to come back and kind of you know they're the browns you know we've already seen the bills uh win and get there how great would would Buffalo and Cleveland have been? Um, no. But I, I had no idea this guy was still in the leagues. I don't follow us closely, but Chad Henney, I could <laughs> not believe this. And this guy broke my heart once in 2005, Penn state is undefeated at the big house in Michigan. And Henney leads this last minute drive and with no time left on the clock, he hit Mario Manningham. And there was a I, there was another uh, play, a, a weird officiating call. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on it now, but it it allowed them to get one 
last playoff. And with no time on the clock, Henny hits Mario Manningham for a gaming touchdown. It's the only game Penn State lost that season uh, and cost a chance to get into the championship game. But what I also vividly remember is that is October 2005. In December, we're at the winter meetings, right? And there's a press conference to promote the 2006 WBC. And Derek Jeter is up on the dais with the rest of a couple of other Team USA guys. And Derek Jeter's a huge Michigan fan. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I never see him during the course of the college football season because it's, you know, usually when Penn State and uh, Michigan play, it's usually later on uh, or it's playoffs or whatever. And it's hard to chit chat about that. Uh, so, this is the first time, probably about two months after the game, that uh, I've seen him since Michigan beat Penn State. I'm standing in the middle of a hotel ballroom on a riser, probably about, I don't know, 100 feet from, from, the, uh, from the dais. And as Jeter sits down, he's kind of eyeing the room, glancing the room. And all of a sudden, he, he sees me on the top of this riser, and he just starts laughing. And he holds his fingers like this far apart and says, so close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, oh, man. Uh, Couldn't get away from it. But Chad Henney uh, broke my uh, heart that day. And then 16 <laughs> years later, I watched him do this. I'm going, this guy's still around? Oh my! Uh, and I, I, one of my closest friends from Penn State is also a huge Cleveland Browns fan. I'm going, this guy broke his heart again. He's in the witness protection program, Chad Henney. I mean, nobody knew exactly where he was. How about how about if you're Cleveland, you're sitting there today saying, Chad Henney, third and 14, and this guy runs for <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's all we had to do was stop Chad Henney for getting 14 yards. Oh, Lord. Oh, man. I'll watch that come go. I was getting bad flashbacks, man. That was terrible. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. Listen, it's going to be a fun weekend of football next weekend. And you and I will do this again soon, maybe sometime for the Super Bowl. Maybe we'll talk a little Super Bowl. And uh, maybe we'll have a little bit more movement. George Springer and maybe some other possible targets will come off the board. Trevor Bauer is still out there. Uh, but we'll be here again. Thanks for uh, joining us, everybody, here. Uh, it's me and Eddie C., and you're on the 30 with Murdy platform on radio.com, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and review. Go check out some of my last couple of episodes. I spoke with Robert Kamen, the screenwriter of the original Karate Kid, about the Cobra Kai series. Also spoke with Bill Pulsifer 25 years ago. He was part of Generation K. You remember that, Eddie. Uh, yeah, he speaks a lot about, well, really, he's a big part of why there are now pitch counts and innings limits. What happened Generation K is kind of why Blake Snell happened last October, and that's a good conversation there as well. So please check it out at the radio.com platform, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. He's Ed Coleman. I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put 
put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 